Welcome to Eterna. Keep your dice rolling, your friends close, your monsters closer, and don't let the old gods bite. This podcast is an Eldritch Dream Games production. A dark fantasy Pathfinder game laced deep with cosmic horror. I would like to thank the patrons that make this possible. Brian Bridges, Brian Rafe, Donald Bewley, Eric S. Pat, Robin Mims, Tim Demuse, and Wesley Sullivan. Stay tuned after our tale to hear what these glorious people have in the works. But for now, let us listen. Last time on Dungeon Ball Z, y'all got to Thorn and discovered that it was defended by uh, what has been called the Rat Guard, a force of people who have either already been or have volunteered uh, to become were rats for the benefits of increased durability and whatnot and survivability against the beasts that assault the town. You had been approached by, or rather, more directly, Riley had been approached by Elias, one of the rat guard captains. The party had gone to the alleyway in which Riley was assaulted by the were-rat last time y'all were in Thorn and found its walls once again covered in gore. After discussing for a short bit and wanting not to call upon the attention of Taraxis, the group decided to try and hide in Shadow's Sanctum, her little demiplane, to attempt to speak freely without garnering his attention. And that is where we left off last time. So the lot of you uh, do... Um, enter this small demiplane and I've described it before as like a small box of a room with an altar pillows and bedding a chest in the corner and little pinpricks of starlight upon the walls and ceiling I suppose when we get inside I will uh, cast some dancing lights so that these well at least the human folk can see Okay. Elias looks not necessarily concerned as he had kind of come to believe that y'all were pretty straightforward, but he he doesn't look like he's extremely comfortable in this situation. So then what are we talking about now? This creature? Yes, well, I'm afraid that... Uh, certain members of my party are a bit more familiar with the entity that turned the were-rat into a uh, splattering of blood upon the walls back then. Riley will just kind of like look at uh, Brock and leave. If you're going to inform him, where do you even begin? Well, first off, uh, I think it's important to note the reason for our caution is uh, the, the creature seems to be aware whenever his name is uttered and we obviously don't want him observing this particular conversation, as I imagine uh, it, it might 
unravel some of his plans, whatever they may be. We had originally run into him at the Black Keep, and he saved my life. So uh, perhaps I'm a little guilty and um, betraying that gesture, uh, but everything he's done since has seemed so manipulative, and all the signs that I've come across seem to point that uh, wherever he's leading us might not be an ideal end. Uh, um, go ahead and bef- before you continue, uh, everyone go ahead and make me sense motive checks. Riley with a 25. Nice. Yeah. Leaf with a 21. Blackjack. Buck with his uh, 7. 22. Alright, so I don't know how much this might matter to Shadow, but all of those who got above a 20 see that there's obviously some sort of recognition when the black keep is mentioned which you find to be slightly odd leaf and riley due to it basically have been a fairly unknown about abandoned keep in the woods uh that clint who is a historian dug up information about it and knows about so it seems to you a little odd that this man shows some recognition at that uh, i guess he he pauses uh and he's so so you know of the black keep and its history i imagine don't know much about its history but i know that there's a place people call it the black keep people have been uh going there since the cataclysm there's a community hold up there now he just kind of looks surprised and he he kind of looks looks back at everybody and uh maybe us clearing out some of those spirits did some good after all. I don't know much else about it, but every now and again there's someone who comes through town either looking for it or coming to pick up supplies for it. Well, we might have to uh, mark that as a destination should our travels go uh, as planned. We can talk about that more later. Let's continue with what we were talking about here. Uh, Right, of course. I've got a little more info I can give you on that, but it can wait. Of course, of course. Uh, so this this creature uh, saved my life during a critical juncture of our time spent there, uh, but in exchange for doing so, put a mark on me. And now, it it seems uh, at his leisure he can spy upon me. And we've had many conversations with this being, and when I think back to times in my childhood, I can see him standing in the background. So I, I imagine you can. Uh, sympathize with my concern. He's mentioned uh, tangled paths, so perhaps it's not only my past that he can see into, uh, but it, it almost seems implied like he's got some dealings in our futures as well. And he seems to be trimming the paths uh, and uh, I, I suppose leading us to one particular desired end whenever we come across other beings of power it it might throw him off course something unforeseen he might not be able to see these things and you know he, he just kind of uh thinks for a second he holds up his hand like he's he's gonna be like yeah I'll, I'll show him the silver flame and then he realizes like oh it probably doesn't like wear rats and kind of uh you do remember seeing a silver glint off of elias 
yeah so he 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 like raises his hand like he's gonna do that but instead he he kind of does that thing where you clasp your hands behind your back almost like military style and uh now you do have those uh bands of silver vein or those silver veins uh in your arm now that could also provide serve as a demonstration (laughs) yeah yeah uh and yeah, but I, I think honestly, he's he's probably uh, a little too uh, skittish of because uh, because like the, the promise was made just for the uh, the immediate family, I guess, as far as uh, the Morheim company is concerned, and you can't guarantee this guy's safety and hasn't done anything to to prove that he's he's undeserving of such safety. So you know, err on the side of caution. Anyway, um, so. Uh, I, I think he's he's leading us to a particular desired end, uh, but other beings of power uh, that we've come across seem to throw him off of uh, his, his plans somewhat, things that he can't foresee, and at least one thing that he seems to be afraid of. He was responsible for the, the mulching of that individual that attacked my friend Riley uh, on that day, said that... Uh, he, he said the creature was imbued with a power that he wasn't supposed to supposed to have and uh, that he was stealing something from Riley but I, I can't say uh, I have any more detail beyond that Jonathan as I said before he's he was my friend at one point but he'd begun to go mad and the uh the months and weeks prior and i've changed his accent again damn it anyway i'm i'm gonna try and stick with this accent <laughs> uh, he's multicultural it's cool and i can't say especially if he right attacked somebody can't say i'm necessarily blaming your group or even this creature for his death and he talked about strange and odd things but this phenomenon where even after it's cleaned the gore just comes back it's scaring people you think there's anything you could do maybe talk to this creature and have it undone uh i i don't know if we're necessarily owed any favors especially for something as casual as an alley cleaning um but if it's in our power to do so uh i'll try and obviously it's powerful it can kill somebody in that way and you don't seem to trust it you say it's shaping your futures that's uh seems to be what it's implying what do the rest of you have to uh, say about this creature well unfortunately i have not spoken to it that much uh, my personal meeting with it was brief um but I remind myself that at the end of the day, I do trust Leaf's judgments on this creature's character. And the fact that it has unnerved Leaf so much uh, at least makes me more on edge about its association with the guild. I've only really dealt with him one the one time in uh, a true sense. But uh, while I did gain something, uh, he wanted something in return from me. So... Uh, as Leaf said, there does seem to be some manipulative element to the way he works, but anything more than that, I really can't speak to as I don't have any further knowledge of him. Okay. 
Well, if we're safe here, what then if you think this thing is a problem, maybe maybe it can be dealt with. I don't know if we have the means. You said it was afraid of something, didn't you? And yeah, I guess at, at that point he unveils his silvery hand and uh, he, he just kind of holds it up solemnly, fists kind of clenched to, I, I guess, like stretch the skin out and expose the, the veins as they go all silvery and whatnot. Uh, and he, he says, uh, I am connected to uh, an ancient power of order and it really doesn't like Taraxis and Taraxis seemed afraid of it when first presented with it. I've since spent some time communing excuse me, I've since spent some time communing with this entity and it's shown me visions of what we might be dealing with and I, I think this this creature that we've seen with, with the long spindly arms and the smile might only be a small piece of the whole an encompassing creature I shudder to think of what it might be capable of if it gets its way whatever that may be he, he kind of just he he's standing there and he shakes his head a little and it's just like entities entities all all playing with monsters and shit alright well how about this you see if you can find a way to get that gore to stop and I'll see if I can't lend you any help in killing that thing sound good I'm not making any promises on whether or not, but I certainly uh, see if there's anything that we can offer. Well, to be perfectly upfront, personally, I'd be more interested if instead of going after this entity that has been watching us, maybe molding a path ahead of us for us to walk, but has offered us some assistance from time to time, Instead of attempting to slay that creature as a bargain for cleaning the alley, friends, I'd be much more interested in joining forces to see if we can't rid this town of the creatures that are assaulting it. You think three, four more people's going to take out an endless stream of monsters? Mr. Morham. Yes. If you speak about the uh, red skin creatures, you are not going to get rid of those. I agree. Well, where do they come from, and why not? They are here because the ring, it broke. And when the ring broke, there are many things that come to this world, and there are many things that were asleep in this world that are now awake, and they cannot be defeated until the ring is fixed. I don't know about that, but I've seen some of the things these things can do. The smaller ones can feed on the dead fallen of the larger ones and they'll become more and the numbers just keep growing. I don't know where the source is or how they breed, but there's always more. Okay. Uh, On the upside, we've taken up to a pretty good deal of taking them out. They send giants at us and those are growing in number, but they don't seem to be too tough to take out on our own. It's part of the reason the Rat God exists now. There used to be five of us. Four after you left here last time. Now, it's close to 200. And growing. I see. That's unfortunate. Um, there's a lot of me that wishes to believe that there must be something at the top worth striking through. 
to uh, cleanse these lands, but perhaps not. Maybe there is. Fuck if I know. These things aren't native to the area, I can tell you that much. But I can make a educated guess at the rate that they seem to come. It's probably too late anyway. Well, information's always welcome. Uh, we have many avenues that we uh, intend to walk. And if any of them open up or shed any lights on the nature of these creatures and how to stop them, uh, I do wish for you to know that I fully intend to pursue that. I appreciate that. But we are going to mostly keep our forces here. It's one thing to send out some scouts to determine whether there's a larger threat coming, but we need to keep our fortifications up. It's the only thing that keeps us from losing the walls. That's understandable. I wouldn't suggest that you send out a warband or anything like that. I'd much rather this town uh, remain safe and secure. The only thing I'd ask for is uh, an open dealing of information between you and my allies. That can be certainly arranged and managed easily. Perfect. Uh, in that case, I believe we have an alley that we need to scrub up. I don't think that's going to help. Try and find a way to... Uh, I don't know if it's magic or what. You can clean it all day and all night. It's just going to come back in a few hours. We've never had anybody actually witness it happen, but we've had a few people report sounds and the moment after it's inspected, it's back. Well, we are a party of a vast number of capabilities. I'm sure that we can probably find a way to ease the community's panic over the bloodshed in the alley. I'd appreciate that. Great. Question out of character. Yeah, as, as far as like these, these creatures that are assaulting the town, um, would, would I know of like any rituals or like wards or... or you know, any kind of protective magic that I could put over an area to kind of help repel these things? Um, like, you know, protection from evil, ring of protection from evil would make them shittier, but those also have limited time periods. Creating, like, a permanent, like, circle of against evil would be very difficult and expensive, especially to surround an entire town or even just to create additional... Uh, barriers but actually physically blocking these things is pro you, you feel like it's probably outside of your current capabilities okay just just kind of like racking my brain to see if there's any way I can help on like a larger scale so he, he just kind of like sits there and pensively thinks about ways to help I guess okay so I think in in that moment of silence that follows as you're thinking and uh, you you feel a very bright flash of silver light and time once again seems to slow to an almost stop. Uh, you feel like something is very close, something that needs to be destroyed, uh, but you also feel like you can't take the action that you need to to destroy it so this is just this overwhelming droning feeling of like frustration meanwhile uh brock and riley 
you are suddenly not where you were. Riley, you stand... You stand back in Gira. The... Your surroundings are dulled, color drained from them, though not entirely, uh, certainly muted. Brock, you stand back at the carts in which the afflicted from Gira sit. Who would like to go first? Brock, do it. Go ahead. (laughs) Yeah, Brock. I guess I'll go first. Okay. So, Brock, you find yourself in similarly muted light, and Taraxxus is beside you, removing his hand from your shoulder. Time around you seems incredibly slow. You can see people moving and breathing, though it seems to be at probably like a half or one-third speed. Sound is bassy and distorted, and Taraxxus takes his hand away from you and begins walking uh, toward one of the carts. I'd be following him, and I would quickly ask, what have you done to me? Where have you brought me? I've brought you back just to see you're here and you aren't. So before you get worried about something, don't. You're fine. But I think you need to take a good long look at a few things. And he leads you to the cart in which Maximilian and Shailen uh, are. And you realize that this is like the moment where he's waking up and Shailen is is excited, uh, momentarily fearful. All of this is happening in slow motion once again. Uh, you see a wide range of emotions come over her and the confusion on Maximilian's face in that moment where he kind of comes to and doesn't know what's going on or why because he's effectively had things undone to him uh, to the best of your knowledge. This is what you did. This is the deal you made with me, Brock. Your friend, the people of that town, they were brought back in ways they've lost a little bit of memory but it's no great price to pay for what you took away from them do you agree brock yes i'm aware of the deal that we've made oh i agreed to it yes well brock you and leaf especially and riley your friends you seem to think that i'm making decisions for you, cultivating, I believe, as Leaf would put it, your futures. Is that your opinion as well? I believe you are manipulative. I do not know about cultivating, but you do seem to require exchange for your assistance. Is that unfair? When one truly wishes to help somebody, they do not require something in return. You see, Brock... You are not the only version of yourself that I deal with. There are many of you, while only being one. So, were I to help you out of desire or 
the purpose of a particular effect, then surely I would be cultivating. But no, I let you make your decisions. Have I forced any of you into doing these things? I am unaware of the conversations you've had with the others, but I agreed to my deal willingly. And so it's been with the others. Let me show you something, Brock. And he, like, looks over at Maximilian, and the whole scene flickers. And Maximilian remains lying down, his scars returned. Time begins moving not slower now, but faster, many times faster, as you approach Thorn. There are a few different effects. Uh, things divergent from the paths you have taken. The caravan nearly immediately goes to the temple district of town seeking aid for the afflicted. Over the course of a couple of days, many of them are cured and half of them over the course of the next week are dead for a variety of reasons. This zips by you very quickly and so many of the details are lost, but you are able to gaze upon each of these that lose their lives long enough to gain the general idea that their mental state is at the very least a contributing factor in their deaths. You find that as you had promised to Riley that you would do uh, you do end up having to kill Maximilian as he seems all right at first, but over over the few days begins exhibiting uh, aggressive and unexpected tendencies. And eventually you have to put an end to him. Another ended up killing themselves. A third wandered out outside of the city seemingly in a daze and fell to beasts. The others still seem less than well, but they sustain the week that Taraxis shows you over this accelerated time frame. It's very strange seeing this this way because on occasion you will see a person turn left down an alley just as you're passing by, but when you look right, they're coming back up that path as if time were stuttering or as if things were slightly different. This is what would have happened, Brock, if you hadn't made the deal. Are you showing me this? Because whether you think I'm manipulative or not, I'm not here to play games with what you want. I'm not here to pick sides good or bad. You wanted something good done and it got done. I didn't toy with it like a demon would. I just want you to think about that. For all of his distrust of me, Leaf now is the only one with the power that can hurt me. I can't touch him. I can't show him these things. And he seems unwilling to look at how anything that isn't his shining form of good isn't somehow a greater evil. And you spoke before of how I always seem to want something. And it's true, I'm straightforward about that. But 
Do you not think that your friends are the same way? Riley is always in search of fame, renown, stories. They're payments of their own. Leaf, he treats humans like animals, true animals that he thinks should be well cared for. But he still views himself above them. He lives longer and he knows it. You think he doesn't take pity on them? He wants to feel better for his actions. How much different is that? Everybody wants something, Brock. What is it that you want? Entertainment, I've said it before. Plain and simple. How do we know that what is entertaining for you is not harmful to us or the others? You don't, but I'm not working against you, Brock. In fact, I'm here. I'd even see cheering you on. I'd much rather see you walk out of one of those tangles than end in one. But sometimes the dice fall where they will. I feel you have brought me here in an attempt to convince me to think that you are less manipulative (laughs) than I first believed. Yet you show me a future that I'm supposed to believe would have happened. You speak of my friends as though they are equal to you in their desire for things and their motivations, and you try to make them seem lesser than they are. If anything, you've convinced me that you are more manipulative than I previously thought. (laughs) And while you are very straightforward of desiring entertainment. I I think it should be very clear for being straightforward with each other. I will always choose them over you. That's fine, Brock. I'm not asking you to be my best friend. You are asking me to possibly turn on Leaf. Now, while I will attempt to keep him in line as far as as far as you see with the fire, but if you attempt to do anything that will bring him harm, will not stop him from using such a power on you. Why would I have any reason to do so, Brock, unless you were all trying to kill me first? I do not know, but as I've stated before, you seem uh, very manipulative, and while you seem straightforward about your intentions, it is uncertain to know whether you are truly speaking the truth. With that sentiment, it means nothing if I tell you I haven't lied to you. In fact, does not mean anything to me, no. Well, at least Adira treats me a bit better. Continue to speak with her? Of course. Why would I stop? It's not as if she shuns my every offer. Can you tell me of her? What she's doing? Where she's been? Yes, a bit. I won't go too far in. She headed east. She's carving her own path. She's already even met up with another champion. She's working along her goals much more quickly than a lot of you. She's safe? She's powerful. Safe is very questionable. She is not providing herself undue danger, if that's what you're asking. But none of you tread a safe path champion she travels with. To who is he a champion of? Your god of mercantile and roads. Abadar. That is not a terrible companion to have. 
depends on who you are. Were you a bandit? Certainly it would. He would try and kill you. I do not remember Tava to be a bandit. But things are relative, Brock. Is there anything else that you are trying to convince me of? Or may I return to my friends? Very well. Once again, be wary of Leaf. Things have advanced. And you will, at that point, return. Chris! Yes, I'm here. It's me. Hi. (laughs) You will find yourself in Gira. Uh, You're standing outside the inn. There's not much to give away the slowing of time for you at the moment. You can make me a perception check. That's a 25. All right. So I think you would notice that the reflection of moonlight in the river nearby or in the stream nearby, it's uncharacteristically slowed to a crawl. And you hear sounds coming from within the uh, from within the stables, uh, but they're they're bassy and droning. And then you notice that a very light pressure has removed from your shoulder, and ter- that Taraxis is standing there, all sixteen feet of him. Um, yeah. So uh, Riley will just take like a, a short pace ahead before like turning around to uh, face his kidnapper. <laughs> One day, I'm sure I'll be uh, come fairly tired of people whisking me away to other realms and other places and other times and things like that. You're only half here, Riley. I'm just here to show you some things. Riley kind of just uh, nods and says, um, I suppose asking or uh, saying please is outside of your uh, capabilities. I was in the middle of a conversation. Yes. I'm aware. Fine. Uh, what do you wish to show me? First, I have a question to ask you. And he, like, bends down at an extreme angle to where he's almost face-to-face with you. What do you see? And uh, go ahead and give me another perception check. 19. All right, give me a will save. Great. Love these. Uh, you know what? I'm going to burn another charmed life for the day just to uh, boost that up a little bit. <laughs> I don't even break a 10, dude. Okay, so you feel like your vision begins to shake, and there's almost like, you know, how a plucked string on a guitar looks while it's humming? That almost solid blur? Yes. That starts happening to Taraxis, to you. And, like, as it slows down, he almost splits into two separate Taraxises bowed outward. But one of them, the exoskeleton, begins to strip away flesh, this creepy pink flesh, a face still eyeless uh, beneath it, but the, the mouth is wide and the fangs are larger you hear a ripping noise as these two taraxes consistently switch places 
the one with the pink flesh, from his back rip two enormous bulbous wings, covered in eyes, and the forms begin to differentiate more and more as uh, this entity you see is not a part of Taraxis nor attached to him. As its form becomes more defined, it becomes much smaller, though no less terrifying. Clearly not adorned, nor as thin as Taraxis, but it stands in the background behind him, drawing your gaze, your heart you find after this moment of extreme strangeness, you find that your heart is pounding severely uh, so much it hurts. Riley. I, I, I picture Riley just kind of like staring, um, kind of lost in thought and as to how he got kind of like how he got when he was telling that story and like got caught up on the whole leaf burning to death thing except amplified tenfold. So you guys can quote me on this when I say that Riley's at a loss for words. I think. Taraxis will look at your gaze and turn. He makes a strange noise. One you've never heard him make before. It's gravelly and raspy, just like his voice, but there's an underbound like chittering, like many pieces of chitin The entity fades into the stone wallwork surrounding Gira. But it grumbles out something before it leaves. Go ahead and make me another will save. <laughs> no, stop. Yeah, sure. Uh, oh, good. This one also didn't break a 10. I got close, though. I got a 9. That's, that's impressive. You feel whatever it said. Words you don't understand. Only a few they linger in your mind before it vanishes. Taraxis turns back to you, lowering himself again. Riley. Can you hear me? He just kind of like, uh, uh, just like slowly nods. You're followed by worse than me now. What was that? A good question. I'm not entirely sure. Tangles follow it slightly, but it in itself is not one. It's related somehow to everything that's going on. I can't speak to what it wants or what it's doing, but I've noticed it from time to time. It was following you all when you traveled back in the Black Keep as well. But Riley, this is because of you, your mind. You can see it because you're broken. It's the only way something like you can see something like that. Right? Yeah, Riley just I like. Um, I was obviously I was imitating it, but you obviously can't see. But he just like goes to say a couple of things and then falls short, um, kind of because like every sentence he wants to form mostly just ends up becoming what. Yeah, uh, he, he plays with that for a little bit. If you're referring to the difficulties I've had with keeping cohesive thoughts at times, is that 
what you're referring to. Yes, and I was perhaps hoping you might be able to shed a little light on that as well. Because that literally came out of nowhere. Riley steadily nods and then says, You asked me, what do I see? What did you expect me to respond with? I wanted to know if it was here. It's very good at hiding, but I found on occasion that seek the mad and they can point him out. I'd rather us not be spied on, you see. Bear, I also don't particularly enjoy being spied upon by things that I don't understand, which are a growing commodity these days. Riley will just kind of take a a second to center himself and he'll say, um, my thoughts have been scattered since a I'll call it a dream, but it was something other than that I had under the moon one night in which I met an entity that, for lack of a better term, showed me the truth, answered a lot of questions, or at least gave me information pertaining to a lot of questions that I had. I see. That would explain why things just changed. It didn't take time to do. Be careful if you ever encounter whatever that was again. It's very powerful. Yes, I unfortunately don't make a habit of looking before I leap very often, and I certainly wasn't expecting this sort of outcome. That might be a skill you might want to invest in. Uh, Looking before I plunge myself headfirst into things I don't know anything about? Exactly. It's becoming very difficult these days. Riley, now that we don't have any unwelcome guests, I do have some things to show you. And I hope that you'll be able to make it through here without breaking down. There's only one way to find out. Indeed. So first we start by taking a step back. And you'll notice that the sound that's been droning on lowly around you begins to sound strange. Uh, And it also picks up in pitch as if time and the sound are accelerating. You hear raised voices, a thud, more raised voices, relative silence. And then the door to the stables opens and you come strolling out of it backwards and head once again backwards towards the church. You stop just beyond the inn and instead take a turn inside where you proceed to drink and tell a tale, trying to find some reprieve, you would assume, from the horrors that had been seen. Time begins to accelerate forward again, much more quickly. Tava doesn't leave. You travel on, meet with Shadow, and head back towards Thorn. You then are brought to the same scene that Brock was shown with the bad lives of those who had been healed. This one, he actually shows you a couple of variations in which 
it is made clear, though you don't know exactly what was said due to the speed, it is made clear that a variety of decisions that you make cause these various outcomes. One is basically exactly as Brock showed it. Another has several of the other people still disturbed, still damaged, but with only one needing to be put down, and it wasn't Maximilian, and they weren't violent, but it was you that uh, brought them to their death, and given what had happened, you would believe, most likely, that this is due to it being they they were so damaged and wanted to die that uh, you brought it upon yourself perhaps before they could do it to themselves. And there are a few more variations thereof in between those two extremes. <clears throat> and I need you to make another will save, please. Yeah, sure. I, I think I've been doing pretty well at these, so I'd happy to give you another perfectly fine roll. Oh, awesome. Great. That's a seven. So this enormous, like, oppressive doubt just kind of enters your mind and uh, Tava's, uh, to you, Tava's words ring through your head again during the argument where she was talking about it would have been better just to end them and end their suffering, given that there was so much pain and death involved regardless. And whether, and even if Riley doesn't truly feel like that's the right answer, he can't help doubt the decision he made. If, uh, okay, I just thought of something. If I, if I happen to break a 10 on that roll, would that have at least lessened the effect of doubt? Because I asked because I have the uh, heart seek locket, which gives me a bonus to will saves when they go against my one of my loyalties. And I feel like he'd be clinging to his uh, loyalty of heroism pretty heavily right now. It would have gotten you an 11, correct? Yeah, which isn't a huge difference, but at least it breaks a 10. <laughs> uh, that, it, it wouldn't have made any okay. meaningful difference. Uh, yeah, right. you, still, you still doubt it. You still doubt your decision. Uh, and I think that even calls sort of like your own, like a way that heroism could be spin spun into question there. Cause is it more heroic to try, but through trying prolong suffering, or is it more heroic to end the suffering uh, without trying? That, that, you know what? That's fair. And I, I feel like that's a lot of what's the, the, uh, events in and of itself has kind of already put Riley through so forcing him to kind of face that sense of doubt head first I think is perfectly within reason right here and like this isn't like shaking your um your loyalties or anything it, it's just working around them yeah yeah it's it's food for thought and flavoring of how he's uh, approaching things and like I said stuff he's already kind of like that have been troubling him and maybe he's been pushing off a little bit but while he's like, while he had watched all of this and while he's thinking these uh, uh, various thoughts about what he could have done or what he should have done or what the right thing to do is, he's probably grasping onto the locket around his neck, just fiddling with it. it though, though you do feel terrible, when you hold on to it, it's almost a glimmer of comfort in, in your doubt, but 
it almost feels, you know, like a security blanket or something like that would be. It, it makes you feel better, but it doesn't make you feel good. Yes, I got you. Mm-hmm. Riley. Yes. Leaf is... Shall we say he's going through some things? He has another power and entity to worry about. This power is problematic to me. I can't touch Leaf anymore for the issues it may cause. And as, shall we say, unusual as your state is, I think that you should keep an eye on him as well. Brock, Brock is good, but I fear he trusts me about as much as Leaf does. Not that any of you have great reason to. As I said to Brock, it doesn't help if I tell you that I've never lied to any of you. You can just choose to believe that that's a lie. But look at what I have done. Leaf likes to point out my inaction at things. But I think that's rather unfair. Believe me, I, it's not lost on me the accomplishments that you've been a part of in terms of assisting my allies and by extension myself. Though I would assume you would understand when I'd value Leaf's judgment of character more than yours, considering that we've hardly spoken. Though... Fair enough. It's also hand-in-hand with why I'm not at least trying to be overly aggressive towards you right now. I find that I have no outright reason to. Yes, but I feel Leaf may be pushed to become so before too long. Perhaps his state is confusing and concerning, and at times he seems as alarmed with himself and what has happened to him as I feel confused and flustered by what has happened to myself. Though, Terexis, if you brought me all this way and showed me these sights just to tell me to watch out for my allies, I honestly don't think you're a great judge of character because I was going to do that anyways. (laughs) Riley, this, as Leaf would say, and as Brock would likely believe, you might call manipulative. Though, would you not care at any point to explain yourself about anything? Or perhaps to show what good you've done? Given, shall we say, the lackluster acceptance I've been given from your druidic friend, I've done nothing to harm any of you, yet he consistently believes that I am going to kill you all or some such thing as it would seem every time he talks about it it seems to get worse it seems a lot very similar to having a mysterious benefactor that just so happens to approach you on the streets and showers you with gifts and makes your life better it's a lot of investments on the benefactor's parts in your being It's been my instance that kindness or giving without taking is a rare thing in this world. And pardon me for this, based on Riley just kind of like gestures at all 16 feet of him, based on 
your mysterious nature and that we know very little about you being approached, offered grand gifts, a new chance of life, restoring friends of ours, and then you marking them in exchange and following and listening. It's disconcerting from a person's standpoints. It's very much about perspective, Riley. If a rich man gives a beggar ten gold, that beggar can live for well over a month off of that. But it was little more than pocket change to the rich man. Yet a service that the poor man might provide can be worth all the money in the world to the rich man. And what I give you to me is relatively little. But what you give me to you seems relatively little, but to me is relatively valuable. And from past conversations, from what people have told me, this is, what, something interesting to watch? Exactly. Then, uh, Taraxis, what are you? <laughs> That's a good question. Not sure you can comprehend the answer. Something words would have a hard time explaining. As Adira or as you might call her, Tava, has said in the past, you're all very primitive compared to me. And I don't mean that in a means of civilization. You are similar to me as to what a book might be to you. A drawing, a painting, something flat and simple, but not lacking in complexity. Yes, I understand. Then I suppose, looking from our standpoints, it's just a touch intimidating to dabble in powers and with creatures that we know very little about and whose explanation they can't even put to words for us to understand. You've many worse things to worry about, Riley. <laughs> Riley just like chuckles and nods and he's like, yeah, probably. <laughs> the tangles I've spoken of. They are beings of similar or more complex power than I. Yes, I, I suppose at the very least you haven't messed with my head as far as I know. Not my game. Well, for what it's worth to you, I don't intend to let Leaf become something he isn't. And if that lines up with removing his potential at harming or destroying you, then I'm honestly okay with that however do know that if you ever do anything to harm myself or my allies I will be more than happy to invest every ounce of energy I have into making sure you pay for it <laughs> as I told Brock unless you were trying to kill me why would I do that Riley just kind of shrugs and I wouldn't just watch out for him for my sake watch him for your own you don't exactly line up with the Silver Fire's worldview. To be clear, I'm watching out for Leaf's sake for Leaf. Let's be fair. Hard to do if you're dead. Yeah, Riley kind of nods. Since we're on basically the same page at this point, Taraxis, the entity or whatever it is that gave him the Silver Flame, what is it and why? Do you know? To some degree. I know enough to 
not toy with it. To the best of my knowledge, it's a primordial force. It enforces its own order on things. It wants everything to fall into an exactness. And it will, because it understands it needs to start small. But it is ruthless. Any ideas on how to sever the connection? I'm honestly not entirely sure. Powerful magic would be a start. There are some in this world who wield such magic already, one of which I'm unfortunately acquainted with. So I can direct you to their uh, dwelling place in the country you call Obscura. There are a pair of mountains known as the Emerald Spires. There lies a tower in which lies a wizard. That's who you seek. And the wizard, does do they have a name? Whitlin of the Emerald Mountains. I see. Noted. How exactly are you familiar with this wizard? Let's say that he and I can see almost eye to eye in some things. He's a powerful mage, has the capabilities of picking me out on his own. We've met before. I see. Well, at the very least, a wizard of such renown and power is a worthwhile contact. Certainly. Uh, Riley just kind of takes a uh, deep breath. Well, with any luck, perhaps Leaf can stave off being consumed by the uh, powers that have vested in him recently. But if it comes to it, uh, at least I have an avenue to seek of helping him rid himself of it. And I hope you use it, Riley. Yes, it seems like I'm being pulled in many directions these days, so it's getting more difficult to figure out exactly where I'm moving. But I have to admit, I do enjoy having the options. Well, Riley... I think if that's all, I'll take you back. Uh, yes, I would prefer being out of this location uh, now. Plus, I have an alley to scrub clean, apparently. Thanks for that. That is an unfortunate side effect of the creature's own abilities. I don't suppose you could do me a solid and just fix that for me, could you? Mm. I'll do it for a deal. Riley. Riley chuckles and just like waves him off and says, I'm not making a trade for cleaning an alley. It's rather simple and might benefit you as well. Yes, I'd, I've made enough deals. Consider this my first step in the looking before I jump. I'll, I'll figure out how to clean the alley on my own. Very well. And you will appear back in the room. Uh, <clears throat> to you, Leaf, um, Time will finally seem to resume a very brief, like millisecond flash of bright silver light comes from Leaf. Um, Shadow, please make me a uh, fortitude save. Oh no. 17. Right, so you are you are dazzled for a brief moment. Uh, so is Elias. But a lot of you are back where you were. Time is no longer distorted for you. Leaf, 
and the other two of you have returned to where you were. So, like, did we notice they were gone in the first place? No. Uh, to, to you, um, Leaf just suddenly flashed very brightly. But to Leaf, there was, like, a noticeable pause. Yeah, like, things slowed down around you similarly to, like, like when you almost died. Yeah, okay. so it shouldn't be too too much of a stretch to connect the dots. Fair enough. And he he just kind of like uh, recognizes the the flash, and uh, yeah, the flash was certainly your silver fire, right? But uh, he he just kind of like recognizes the flash as kind of like a warning because I, I guess as everything was like frozen, he was still like processing things for the millisecond or whatever, and then the flash kind of snaps mm-hmm. him out of it, and he's just uh, it it seems we're not safe from his manipulations even in here. I would certainly say that we aren't. Riley is just kind of face palming. He just has his hand in his face, or yeah, his face in his hand. I mean, I guess Leaf is just going to call out, um, saying, you know, what are you up to, Taraxis? And just like look around the room, expecting to see the wicked smile creeping out of a dark corner. You do not. I, uh, I do not think he wants to speak to you. You, you just kind of get like some side eye from Leaf. I, I imagine so. Does is he speaking to you? Unfortunately, yes. Both Brock and Riley are, uh, immediately begin glowing more silver. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I hmm. Well, uh. And he, he just kind of like starts flexing like his his jacked up silver hand and uh, he, he just goes uh, maybe I can be a deterrent for all of us. To be perfectly honest everyone I've had about enough of Taraxis talks for one day and I'm surprised I'm saying this but I would very much like to go try to magically scrub up an alleyway from where rat blood Elias Elias is like rubbing his eyes it's just like the f- yeah, and Riley like holds up a hand. Is like, I, I'm sure this is probably a lot for you as well. For perhaps, why don't we just start by leaving here, getting back to uh, the real world, and then focusing on maybe dinner and then the alleyway, and then we can talk more within the party about what happened here later. That seems reasonable. Okay. She throws them all out. <laughs> we all are shunted back into the material plane. Does <laughs> Shadow come with? No, not not at first. Uh, those of you who care to seek it can make a perception check uh, to see the butterfly. That's a 19. That is a 17. Uh, neither of you notice the butterfly. Its size alone gives it plus 12. Oh, wow. Your Shadow's just going to take a few minutes to uh to go to the altar and pray for her safety because she didn't understand anything in that conversation didn't know what was going on but is convinced they're all might be just kind of fucked in the head one of them is now i'm insulted yeah brock's messed up man (laughs) (laughs) i've seen him talk to his stones (laughs) that boy ain't right (laughs) 
Uh, God damn it. Well, she has no idea what that entire conversation was about. <laughs> you, you met him. Well, she had one conversation with a stalker in the woods. But all this deal making and magic and, and stuff, she has no clue about it. Well, uh, I, I suppose if um, Shadow's going to remain in the room, we could probably get started on figuring this alley out. Uh, you probably have prestidigitation magic that can solve this. Uh, yeah, let's go do the alley thing. Um, I just want to make sure to establish that before we part, so Riley gets a uh, a reliable means of contacting the captain. Know, just like where he's located or you know what to do if he needs to reach out to uh, Captain Elias. The captains of the Rat Guard are often found at the Rat's Den which is in the outer uh, circle of the city. Um, you can often find them there. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, while we're talking he'll probably also get the names of the other captains just so he has their names to go by. Um, Vord, Kana, Halo, it's H-E-I-L-O. Yeah, that's that's all the captains. Okay. Neat. You go about scrubbing an alleyway of gore. Even though it was said that doing so, it just comes back a couple of hours later. Well, O'Reilly keeps saying scrub, but it's like out of game, I totally mean like find the magical way to counteract whatever's going on here. <laughs> Does anyone in our party have detect magic? No. I do. Leaf definitely does. I mean, I can detect magic, but uh, I'm not out there. Well, I I mean, like we, we'd probably hang around for maybe, I don't know, five minutes or so, just wrapping up with the captain and waiting for Shadow. And then make the assumption that if she doesn't just like pop out between five and ten minutes that she roughly knows where we're going. I, I assume uh, coming back together at the exact dish. Yes. Yeah, when she's there with her prayer, she's going to the stack dish because she's still supposed to be waiting on the KL woman to show up. Right, you're that waiting guy, for someone. Did he state a specific time that the thing usually blows up? Like that no. the sound was heard? He was just no, saying they, they don't know. Yeah, it just people will come, they'll try to clean it up and uh a few hours later, somebody will either stumble across it or they'll hear a noise from the alley and report it and it'll be back. Okay, well, yeah, then we can uh, regroup at the uh, the inn. Then uh, take it easy, take a break, maybe get a drink, and then um, take it from there. Okay. So when you arrive at the inn, Shadow, uh, yes, uh, that you will fairly quickly notice at the bar is a KL woman. Okay, so she will walk uh, up to her and she'll be like, uh, excuse me. Uh, yes. Uh, I, are you the uh, one who is looking for me? Yes. Yes. And she holds out her hand. She'll, I'll shake her hand. Um, it is very rough. You speak uh, the language of the Shadow Plane, yes? Yes. Then she'll switch to Aklo so she can actually speak better. All right. I believe that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, my uh, my grandmama, Estrina, she is a, a Violet Shea. 
and she speaks of the all man that lived here in town that knows about the dragons. And uh, he was not at his store, and I was told you were a friend of his and might know where I could seek him. Uh, yes, Ekran. He is. <clears throat> he left town some time ago. I think he went to seek out the owl tree. Went to seek out what? I. Uh, it's supposed to be a way to be taken to the Black Keep. A. Uh, it's a haven for people. Uh, there are a lot of people here in town, not all of whom feel safe around the Werats. And uh, I believe he went that way. Do you know where this tree is? Not far outside of town, heading west. Uh, it's near a campsite. Uh, you just follow the road check the trees around campsites it's an old one from what I hear sizable uh, and it will have an owl carved in it uh, the word on the street is you set the fire there uh, and leave somebody uh, to sit by the tree and someone will come to guide you to the keep okay uh, that seems uh, easy enough uh I suppose there is not too many trees with carvings in them. Not too many, no. Okay, um, what do I owe you for your help? I, you just asked the question. But yes, but uh, you answered it. I guess, uh, how are things? Where you're from? Well, uh, when I left the temple, things there were not bad, of course. Uh, but uh, I spent some time in the shadow plane with Grandmama and things that are getting bad, uh, just like they are here. Uh, of course, the, uh, some of the things in the shadow plane are much nastier. Yes, I've spent most of my life here, but I've visited from time to time. And I know it's not a particularly safe place. No, I, I lived there until I was eight. The orb killed my mother, so then Papa brought us here. But uh, we would go back a lot to visit Grandmama. What is an orb? It is a monster. Mm. It is uh, one of these uh, undead. I did not see much of it. Uh, Mama, she uh, shunted us into the shadow box to keep us safe, so I did not see much. I'm sorry for your mother then. It was it was hard because we were young, but uh, she saved us. So, uh, are we even then? Yes. Okay. Uh, do you want a drink or something? I take one. Yeah, sure. It's not often to meet others of our kind around. No. Uh, Grayson is my brother, and uh, he and I we do not uh, do not leave the temple too often because the people in the outside uh, they are mean. Many, yes, there are good people, but there are many who are less so. But it's not just exclusive to us. No, uh, I have a friend uh, that is the uh, Dampier. You know Dampier. 
Yes, uh, vampire spawn. Yes, they they do not like his kind either. And then I have a friend that is a half work, and they are not nice to her. I've seen that happen. But uh, I can I can uh, let you meet my other friends. They are a little weird, but they are nice. All right. And I will take her over to wherever the rest of them have sat down. Hello. This is uh, the Mr. Morheim and the Mr. Gotrash and the Mr. Leonhard. Good to meet you. Riley raises a drink. Hi. Hello. I'm Giza Kruvo. And she's a, uh, she's a, uh, pal, just like, just like Shadow. Though she does not have any, uh, glowing bits. Um, she just has kind of, uh, like her eyes are a bit yellow and her skin is a sort of middle tone gray with and her hair is obviously like dyed black but hasn't been re-dyed in probably a few weeks so she has these uh white roots you remember miss don Morham, i tell you about the the metalsmith jesse yes this is her friend i see well it's a pleasure to make your acquaintance and yours and she'll offer a hand. Yeah, yeah. Nice, uh, friendly handshake. Mm, you would notice that she has uh, rough hands and a strong grip. That's fine. Riley has supple hem- hands and a dexterous grip. I found out where I have to go next. This nice lady has taught me. I have to go to the owl tree. The owl tree? Yes, it is a tree outside of the town with uh, a campsite. And there is the L carved into it, and you have to build the fire, and then somebody will come, and they will take you to the place where the man I need to talk to is. And this place is how far away is the tree, and where is this place? Uh, the tree is outside the town, is all I know, on the west road, and the place is the Black Keep. Oh. We know where that is. Oh, then I do not have to call an L. Mr. Goldbrush can show me. I mean, yes, we could just walk there, but if there's a community living there, they probably might find it suspicious if our band just waltzed right up to their front door. Then we can call the L. I don't know how to talk to an L, but maybe it talks. Who knows? Riley just gestures at Leaf. Well, you can talk to a large owl, can't you? Uh, is it called the owl tree again? Because it has a picture of an owl carved into it. Well, y- yes, if if it's um, an actual owl, then I, I should be able to. If it's a tree, I, I still might be able to. See, this is why they say you are the smart one. <laughs> Brock is just going to kind of look at Riley and be like, aren't you looking for a man who rides an owl? Yeah, you know what? I was actually just like looking up in my notes to make sure that I was thinking he actually rode an owl and not some other type of bird. That, <laughs> but yeah, now that you bring that up and uh, kind of cucked me halfway through looking through my notes, uh, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll have plenty of time to look this up and then bring it up. <laughs> nope, great. 
There was it a large owl that the the highwayman rode that yes. way back when? Okay, great, great. Yes, it was. Um, the, then Riley will just uh, kind of give this knowing grin and uh, nod and say, "I suppose that's just another reason to want to see the giant owl." Uh, and then he'll uh, turn to Shadow and say, "It just so happens that I also have pretty good reason to want to go to the Black Keep in the near future as well." Oh, do you want to see the big owl too? Yes, yes, and potentially the man who rides him. <gasps> oh, there's somebody who rides the owl, yes? That is neat, I've never seen this before. A steady grin crosses Riley's face, and he slowly looks over to Shadow's friend, and he says, In fact, we encountered the man who rode the giant owl once. Let me tell you a tale of how the <laughs> guild fought the giant highwayman. And he just reaches over and puts a hand on Brock's shoulder and says, and the sheer amount of damage that my friend Brock delivered to this individual, it was a stunning, stunning battle. And I think Bradley you all would, need another drink for this. Bradley will raise a hand and get over, get the table another batch of drinks. I think I will need more than another. Uh, okay, I want Riley to make a um, performance uh, oratory, and I want everybody to make a perception that's a net one for leaf i got a net one too for a total of 11 oh my god five i got a 19 (laughs) riley's perform was an 18 all right uh what was riley's perception 22 so you're belting out the story and many of the people in the town or in the tavern are listening and uh you would notice that despite you feel like you're doing a good performance like the party feels like you're doing a good performance but you can't help but notice there's not a lot of uh, not a lot of energy there's plenty of attentiveness but there's not a lot of uh, I guess you might call it camaraderie or excitement over the story Uh, those of you um, okay, so uh, Riley and Brock, you can both make sense motives. I was just about to ask for that. Come on, okay. decent roll. So good at those. Yeah, Ooh. natural one. Six. Hey, uh, Brock, take yours and add 20 to it. That's my score. That's what Riley got. Riley got a 26. <laughs> you feel an ever-growing sort of, like, almost resentment uh, as you tell this tale. Okay. Uh, yeah. Like, like you, you rolled high enough. I, I think you kind of glean that, like, you're talking, like, you're not necessarily talking shit about the flying highwayman, but like from the things you've kind of put together, you have a feeling like these people, like, unspokenly know that this guy is helping people. Yes. And y'all were fighting him. Yes. So, okay. Uh, if I may, the moment that like Riley like reads the room properly as he's telling the story, he's going to build up his usual story about how Brock just completely barraged a ton of rocks at this guy and drove him off to uh, the point at which it brings the flying highwayman to like the the carriage, the actual story where we fought him. Basically, building up his own conflict with the flying highwayman. Uh, Lark was there too, I guess. <laughs> um, but the end goal being to paint a very uh, interesting and marvelous uh, display of swordsmanship between Riley and the flying highwayman, in which Riley, in his uh, storytelling, admits to uh, 
seeing something of a uh, strong sword fighter, someone with spirit, valor, and strangely enough, a strong sense of honor in his uh, combatants while fighting the flying highwayman on that carriage. And that they uh, left that confrontation in a draw. And Riley just wants to know the man behind the blade now. It's bothered him ever since. So he kind of tries to end the story on a higher note than how we initially started it. Okay, go ahead and with this, like, the the performance is still good. Go ahead and make me a diplomacy to tack into it. Yeah, 24. So the, uh, the room seems to take a better turn by the end of your story, and it doesn't look like anybody wants to make you eat your teeth. Great, I'd like to see them try, but that's fine. <laughs> so you tell your tale, and no one really like approaches you or anything after the fact you finish your grand tale and I think with with that we will end the episode hi there my name's Don I'm a proud patron of this podcast you just listened to I'd like to take a moment to talk about some of the projects that I work on When I'm not listening to Tracy, Sean, and the rest of the gang tell wonderful stories using the Pathfinder rules, I like to make podcasts of my own. I'm the GM in the Starfinder homebrew adventure Hexgrid Heroes. On the other side of the GM screen, I play Cory in Pokemon Seicho and Peleus in Ashes and Allomancy. I also like to sit around and talk with my friends about how horror movies can be used in a haunted house setting, and for that, check out Fountain of Fear. All of these podcasts can be found at hexgridheroes.com. Hey everyone, thank you for listening to this episode. I'm Brian. I run Action Forge, a tabletop RPG YouTube channel where we dive into all sorts of topics. If you want to learn more, head over there and check it out. Also, if you want updates on all my various projects and some awesome tabletop RPG memes, go ahead and check me out over at Twitter where I'm at Action Forge. Good day. This is Dick Horney. Inviting you to explore the world of Dustress, a unique homebrew setting within an Elder Dream Games universe. Come along as the Hive Queen leads a gambler, cowboy motherfucker with six shooter. I ain't never moved cattle in my life. I am a gambler. A Native American. He he doesn't have a lifetime of eating processed food, so he probably is actually quite regular. And a Detroit teenager. Okay, so we're rolling into. Elves, aliens, and troll dolls. Through discovery of new magical abilities, struggle with the reality of unknown gods, and maybe learn a little bit about themselves along the way. Visit Eldritch Dream and Dustress Podcast on Twitter for details. Well, 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 these are the city slickers they send me. Asking for wine and a pretty glass. How about that? I mean, I, I did ask for the wine, but not exactly the pretty glass. Do you dig the graves yourself? I do. Seems tiresome, especially as of late. I've heard you had a few new arrivals. Yeah, it's been uh, a little bit weird lately. Uh, I'm not complaining too much because most of these people that wind up dead, they're ain't too much left to bury, so I don't even have to dig a full grave. As this 
collides in with him. His neck shoots back in this contorted position and it says, I am the vanguard of the ancients. And then causes his entire body to explode, sending just pieces of gore and viscera across the entirety of the tavern. There's just stunned looks on everybody's faces except for the man in black who is currently still playing his guitar. LCP D&D is an actual play D&D 5e podcast. Our current adventure is set in the fantasy wild west and features orcs, vampires, and an all-original soundtrack. Listen in by searching for LCP D&D wherever you get your podcasts or head over to lcpdnd.com. Welcome, Forsaken Travelers. Do you like sci-fi fantasy atmosphere? Do you like bad, scary movies, cult classics, and more? The Crow, Beetlejuice, Frankenstein? What about dad jokes? We have those, too. Tune in to the podcast for the Untimely Dead every other Sunday on your favorite podcast app. We'll see you there. If you'd like to become a patron, you can find us on patreon.com forward slash eldritchdream. We have a bunch of rewards for Dustress and Aeterna involved. You can also join us in the Hive, that's our Discord, linked in the episode description. You can also find links to our Tee Public, where we have tons of designs for various types of merch. Hit us up on Twitter or Discord. We love to hear from everyone and enjoy making new friends. And until next time, everybody... May the elder gods haunt your dreams. <laughs>